the text spoken by the voices and the sound volume are exactly the same as in the original recording. <laughs> slot which deals with stories, issues, philosophy, concepts, ideas, spoken word, drama, comedy, documentaries, avant-garde music, and anything else where thinking is required. Anything where imagination is strict prerequisite. This is Mind Labs, and what is about to follow will now follow. The week leading to Monday the 25th of June saw much of the country affected by an unprecedented amount of rain. When this continued over the weekend, many people found themselves, their homes and their businesses already under threat from the rising water levels. As floodplains became sodden and Sheffield's drainage system struggled to cope with another deluge, which arrived on Monday 25th of June 2007. Sheffield and the rest of South Yorkshire was hit with the worst flood since the Great Inundation of 1864. Dr Edward Anna, Senior Lecturer in Climate Change at Sheffield University, explains the weather patterns that caused such a large amount of rain to fall in such a short space of time. There was a very unusual um, position of the jet stream um, in the Atlantic last year which was further south than normal and also bifurcated with one drop branch passing further south over the UK and um, this led to intense weather systems uh, passing in from the Atlantic over over the UK at various times throughout the summer Um, and because that branch of the jet stream was further south than normal it also picked up a lot of uh, moisture from an area of the Atlantic Ocean that uh, was warmer than normal, several degrees warmer, Um, and um, because of that there was more energy and moisture in these weather systems, and and also because of the uh, position of um, the low pressure to the southwest of the British Isles on average during June, whereas the pressure was more normal just north of the British Isles. This this gave us uh, an airflow from the east rather unusually last June, so it was an exceptionally um, easterly June, because normally our, our winds come from the west, but last June they came from the east, which meant that uh, Sheffield and Yorkshire uh, were actually bearing the brunt of uh, moisture-laden winds from the North Sea, rather bizarrely. Just referencing the uh, Sheffield uh, rainfall event, um, clearly um, last June really was quite exceptional. We had um, precipitation levels um, of about 270 millimetres, I believe, uh, something of that order, um, 289 millimetres, in fact, uh, at Sheffield Western Park. And that, and that was the uh, wettest uh, month on uh, record by quite a wide margin. But there have been wet Junes before, such as... Um, 1982 and 1973, uh, which were also above 200 meter, uh, millimetres of rainfall in those, mu- in those months, but nowhere near the rainfall total of last June. Paul Scriven, the now leader of Sheffield City Council, recalls his memories of the day. 
Very vivid, actually. I think everyone uh, locally knows where they were on the day of the floods. Um, I was actually in a fire authority meeting in Barnsley uh, with the chief fire officer and senior fire officers, uh, and we knew something was wrong when their uh, pages started to go off and they all started to leave. It's only when I then had to drive back from Barnsley to Sheffield that I realised the devastation that was being created. It took me normally a... 40-minute journey took me four and a half hours to get back from Barnsley back to Sheffield, uh, including having to navigate the A61, uh, which was still open at the time, but really was like a a river, um, and cars were going through single file. So I remember vividly where I was. I remember the journey back to Sheffield, in hindsight, was nothing really compared to what, what was happening elsewhere. And then um, both coming into the city centre to uh, see if there's anything I could do at the town hall and then going home and watching the scenes of devastation on the uh, television. Uh, remember it a day where I, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing and just couldn't uh, believe some of the hardships that people were going through. I mean, the, the sight of seeking helicopters over Sheffield, I think, will be a, a memory that lives with me forever and people having to be winched from safety. The floor was uh, very lightly covered in water. And he came down and found his living room were flooded. Across to the north stand, all of the facilities on the, on the ground level uh, were completely wiped out. That's, a, that's a, the biggest one we've ever had. That was just flooded. As you opened, as you opened the doors under the stage, all you could see was water. Everything was underwater. But it's roomy furniture and things like that, you know, like, but this one was the really bad one. That's right, we filled a skip with the black, horrible, silty stuff that was left underneath the ballroom floor. It smelt absolutely horrendous, and it did for for about three or four months. My my son rung me up and said, Mother, you flooded out. And uh, the cop end was the deepest, the deepest part of the flooding. Virtually all the street was uh, turned into a river. There was a picture of him stood at the gates and he was knee-deep in water. came down here at nine o'clock and we were sweeping water away, ripping carpets up, throwing them outside. Open front door and I went, oh my God, and my, my furniture were wet through. The floor lifted, it was, it was like in peaks, the, the ballroom floor. The only thing about floods in actual fact, the only thing I'd wish onto it about floods is my worst enemy. He can have the floods or at least live in that area where floods yeah. don't care. Chapel Town was one of the areas worst hit by the flooding. Sheffield Lime's Graham Marshall, a resident of Chapel Town, tells the story. Right, I'm just standing on Cowley Lane at Chapel Town, which is just outside Chapel Town Park, and it's the main road that goes from Chapel Town into Rotherham. And um, where I'm stood now, uh, a year ago, ended up under six feet of water. It was an absolute raging torrent out there. Um, one lad was nearly swept to his death. And he was plucked from the waters at the last minute by a local resident. And the entire area was flooded for about four days. Right, well, I'm actually inside the Newton Hall now, and I'm talking to Audrey. Now, 
You do dance classes here, don't I you? I do on a Wednesday and a th- Wednesday morning and Thursday nights. Yeah. And are you part of the committee or anything, or is that all you do? I am. I'm, I'm part of the committee. I'm one of the trustees, and I'm also the housekeeper. All right. That, that makes sure that the hall is kept clean. Um, we've got an ample supply of uh, whatever we need. Right. Well, of course, uh, what we're here to talk about is the floods that happened uh, exactly a year ago. Now, it, well, I've just been outside looking at the brook at the side, you know, in the Chapel Town Park, and it's amazing to think how much water must have come down to cause the problems that you had. Now, in Chapel Town, you had like a double whammy, didn't you, because you had a flood on the 15th, a smaller flood, but then, on, of course, on the 25th, that's when you got the big hit, wasn't it? Yes. What actually... What actually happened to you? Were you really affected on both occasions? We were affected on both occasions. Um, The floor was uh, very lightly covered in water for the first time. Uh, This was was made worse because uh, someone had pinched lead off the roof, so we Mm. had water coming in through the roof and coming in under the doors. Uh, We managed to clean the Newton up then hmm. and uh, and then as you know um two weeks later on the 25th then that's when yeah, it really went that's hot right it? that's right it did yeah. and we it the floor lifted it was yeah. it was like in peaks the, yeah. the, the ballroom floor when did you first realize on that day that something nasty was going to happen uh, well we came down and uh, in in the bar area we'd got uh, a few uh, centimetres of water right. and on the ballroom floor we had uh, but the cellar and underneath the ballroom floor that was just flooded yeah. uh, as you opened as you opened the doors under the stage all you could see was water yeah. everything was under water mm. and the main road outside Cowley Lane that was under about four or five foot of water wasn't it? It, it was and our chairman at the time uh, David Crisp he, he came down and there was a picture of him stood at the gates and he was knee-deep in water yeah. outside in the right. yard area. Yeah. So how did you all get in here to sort it out? Did you have to wait for it to subside or was there a back way in? No, we had to wait for the water to subside to get inside the hall. Yeah. And this happened at 9 o'clock on the Tuesday morning. Right. If you remember, the flood water came down the rainwater came down on the monday and yep. it, it was horrendous hmm. um and tuesday morning we came down here at nine o'clock and we were sweeping water away yeah. ripping carpets up throwing them outside and generally using um, um aquabacks to yeah. try and hmm. remove some of the water and it's a big place isn't it it's not it, as if it's a house it, it, i mean it's a it massive is. room really it well, is, it's, like, yes. it's a number of rooms because you've got a bar area there's the large main hall and the stage and the reception and the toilets. It's, it's a big operation. I mean, it must have taken ages to sort it, out. It did, it did take ages. And every, every one of the committee, uh, well, we all grouped together and we all, all, uh, all worked. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, and, until the insurance uh, could come in yeah. and, and sort it out yeah. for us. 
Well, now you're back to normal, and of course it's now back to our, what it should be, which is the heart of the community, isn't it? That's right. I don't think people know that the Newton Hall was uh, given to the... It was built and given to the people of Chapel Town uh, by uh, Thomas uh, Chambers Newton. Yep. And it still belongs to the people of Chapel Town. Yeah. We are just trustees. We mm. just run the hall, and it has to be on a profit-making business. I'm saying a profit-making business. What I mean is we need to earn <coughs> enough money to cover rates, yeah. electric, and everything yeah. else. It, we don't really make a profit because no. it's a charity. Sure. Uh, and everything that we do is voluntary. Yeah. And there are, there are just... It's just the user groups mm. uh, that... Uh, that are down here helping and there's just a team of eight of us that that do the work actually organize it yeah yes and apart from apart from the treasurer everyone is 70 plus right well you do a grand job anyway and it's certainly looking good when i first walked in the other day i was very impressed so you've done a good job so thanks for getting it back to up to scratch just out of chapel town at burn cross the main A61 was also badly affected when part of the uh, road subsided in a landslip caused by too much water building up behind it. So it's continuous landslips at the A61, danger at Chapel Town. I think it's been there for quite a long time now. There continue to be landslips on the A61. Landslips on the A61, danger at Chapel Town in the southbound direction. Be careful around there. There continues to be a landslip on the A61. Landslip, man. Landslip, yeah. Still, still going on <laughs> in Chapel Town. How, I, how long's that been? Uh, well, it's been on since we've been on. Yeah. So I think it's like six, seven weeks now. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll feel lonely without it, won't we? Yeah. I, I am. I am going to miss it now. That has been repaired over the last eleven months. For about a month, it was completely shut, and all the major traffic from the motorway and Barnsley into Sheffield was transferred down into Chapel Town. So that caused major disruption anyway for a long time after the event. But on the day, the main problem was no one could get anywhere because all the major routes out of Chapel Town were affected. Sheffield Council found itself having to test its emergency action plans for the first time. Paul Scriven explains more. Okay, well, there is, there is uh, protocols in place for emergency planning for anything like this, and they kicked into operation very swiftly once we realised just how uh, severe the, flood, uh, the flooding was and was going to be. <clears throat> I mean, I think the first thing to say, it's not just the City Council, it's actually pulling together other agencies such as police, fire, where they all kick in together. Gold Command was set up, which is the uh, command centre uh, for the whole of Sheffield in this type uh, of emergency and that was set down at uh, Atlas Court uh, which coordinates really the major responses to fire police, council and other uh, agencies which was where for example the Sea King helicopters were called in, uh, Foresight realised that we needed uh, that kind of help. In terms of the council then our main responsibilities clearly is to try to ensure uh, that uh, the roads kept open, which clearly they couldn't, uh, but also to ensure that there was no uh, danger to life in terms of things falling over, such as lamp posts or um, uh, traffic lights, where it was dealing with those. 
but also ensuring that people, uh, people who had been evacuated by the emergency service and had somewhere warm, safe to go, were able to bed down, uh, were safe, uh, etc. So a lot of the uh, initial response for the council was about opening places up, uh, in the city centre in some areas across Sheffield so people could go uh, for the night, uh, be uh, in bed, be warm, be safe, uh, have food uh, and basically get over the first 24, 48 hours. So that was the initial response and as I say also working with Gold Command to make sure that other um, infrastructure issues didn't cause devastation to both people in the city. While most people have now managed to get back into their homes, as we keep seeing in the local press, there is still an unfortunate few living in temporary accommodation separated from their homes belongings, family and friends. Paul Scriven again explains what was done to help those made homeless by the floods. Well, there's still ongoing work on that. There are still a number of people who aren't back in their homes and that just shows the kind of devastation uh, that actually happened. Our role was with them to offer, first of all, practical advice, maybe helping with their insurance company, looking at ways of finding through the red tape that actually was around. For others, it was... Physically, if it was a Sheffield Homes uh, uh, home, then dealing, making sure that the repairs were actually done, making sure the roads were open so people could get there, um, ensuring that they understood how to get um, furniture, if the furniture had been destroyed, supporting with uh, bidding for uh, money that had been uh, made available through different agencies across Sheffield and South Yorkshire. So it was both practical stuff in terms of helping people get back into the home, but also advice and support in terms of insurance and uh, um, and funding to get their lives back, uh, back up to normal. Also, um, investing in things like cleaning up the mess uh, and the devastation that was caused, you know, huge swathes of roads uh, and estates were covered in mud and uh, etc so that had to be cleaned cleaning the area up getting the trees out of the way that had been brought down so there's many things like that which we had to do to practically not just get people back in the home but make sure they could get back into their community as well Sheffield Wednesday found its stadium at Hillsborough under six feet of water Anna Patnick, reporting from Illsborough Stadium, speaks to Colin Wood, Communications Manager at Sheffield Wednesday Football Club. Right, we've just come in the director's entrance, Colin, and does it really start here where the uh, impact was felt? Yeah, I think so. Uh, probably not too many people would be uh, frequent this area. Yeah. Uh, obviously, this is where the, the uh, board of directors and their mm-hmm. guests come on a match day, yeah. and uh, it's a very grand old area. Yes. Uh, lots of oak walls and... Uh, Oak panelling on the walls, yeah, uh, wooden floors throughout these areas. Right. We go into the boardroom and uh, and the suites where scouts and visiting guests mm-hmm. come on the match day. Uh, you can see in here now we've got photographs on the wall of, oh, wow, of yeah. the flood uh, and how how deep it was, pitch area. Yeah. Uh, but in here, obviously, it would have been. Uh, up to around your knees. So just come through the door, and this is the players' tunnel, is it? That's right, yeah, we come through here, uh, players' area, so we've got the referees' room, which is at the top of the uh, walkway down Mm -hmm. to the uh, pitch side. We've got the home dressing room, away dressing room, manager's match day office, uh, and then further on through there, there's a players' lounge and the the press facilities. This was the first area that was uh, actually addressed, because uh, the first thing the club needed to do was be able to play football games. Uh, the, the pitch was looked at and then 
obviously the dressing room area. Yes. And uh, it was only only this part of the stadium, really, that was up and running for the uh, pre-season game against Birmingham City at the beginning yeah. of August last right. year. So uh, there was kind of stopgap measures in terms of getting things up to scratch. Yeah. Everything was cleared out. The walls were stripped and the floors were stripped as well, mm. Recarpeted everything, repainted and all of it. how long did it take to redo all this? Um, it took only a few weeks. It was, you know, people working literally around the plot, yeah. a big team of contractors. Mm-hmm. Now we get to the end of uh, the, the season and more permanent, uh, you know, refurbishments are being made to yeah. this area. So. Uh, while it was just stopgap kind yeah, of uh, the season, yeah, know, to get the season just to be usable. Yeah, at the end mm. of the season, now we've put in new baths, new uh, facilities for the players, which right. uh, which I'm sure they appreciate. We walked down the tunnel area, and yep. basically, <laughs> you would be uh, you'd be kind of knee deep in water right. as you get to the pitch yep. because it slopes down. It's, uh, it yeah, I can feel that already. It's quite... above your waist up to kind of chest height. Yeah. Uh, if you know, if there are people who frequent Hillsborough out there yeah. listening, then what they will, uh, might be able to gauge it by the the water level uh, around the uh-huh. dugout area was up to about row E. Me and Colin stood right outside the cop, looking over Hillsborough's pitch. It's it's smooth and it's green and it's just shining in the sun. And we were talking just before the interview saying that it was a very different story a year ago, or at least on the 25th of June. Yeah, it certainly was. Uh, once the flood water came, uh, it, you know, engulfed the whole of the, the pitch area here, uh, you would be standing now on the bottom of the riverbed, effectively. Yeah. And uh, you'd have to be swimming or treading water to, to carry on breathing because uh, the the level of the water went up five yeah. or six rows back and when you stand down at the cop level you can see that the first row of seats is a good couple of feet from, yeah, from the ground anyway yeah and how did you get the, I mean it's just sitting water so how did you get it out I mean did the fire brigade I heard help with that and how long did it take to get rid of it yeah it, t- it took several days to to get that water off the pitch and obviously we, we wanted to get the water off uh, as quickly as we could we were very grateful to South Yorkshire Fire Service for, for helping in that they, yeah. they brought an engine down here and, and helped pump a lot of the water off the pitch mm-hmm. uh, as it drained uh, you know the, the Leppings Lane end of the ground became drier and uh, we could see that the, the standing water still down to the cop end of the ground and uh, wow. it was important over a few days to, to get that get that away as quickly as we could. Was there any turf left after the water had been drained and what did you have to do to, to get it back to form? Well it was a major operation to, to get the, the pitch into shape uh, the, the, there was a decision to be made whether we re-turf or whether we reseed, but the problem being with reseed is that you'd have to reseed in all of the silt, there was yeah. questions over contamination uh, and obviously, uh, there, you know that that silt would have just become very slimy when we had more rain. Yeah. So, so the, uh, the decision was taken that basically we had to re-turf it. Uh, it was a is a very expensive operation, over a hundred thousand pounds. It required a, a team of uh, of several men, several tractors, several lorries bringing wow. turf in from uh, from Lincolnshire <laughs> to uh, you know to, to get everything in place in a very short space for everybody in the area i mean areas around hillsborough especially don valley where the river don burst it, it was just a disaster area and it was really sad to see hillsborough looking so sorry but at least on a day like today it looks 
I mean, it looks good. It does. It, it looks like it's back to normal now. Yeah, definitely. And it, it's really credit to a lot of people who, who work here. Our maintenance staff and cleaners work round the clock, sort of went beyond the call of duty as well as the contractors yeah. that the, the club had to bring in as well. So, you know, there's uh, certainly a lot of work went into getting up to scratch and being able to to open certain facilities yeah it, you know some some of the facilities weren't open for the beginning of the season but that would have been yeah. an impossible job and uh, you know we were grateful for the supporters patience at the time as well yeah i think it's, it's also particularly lucky it didn't have happened during mid-season it didn't happen like six weeks earlier it happened you know with a little bit of time you did really well to get everything up and, and running again especially for the pre-season game but also for the first games of the season and yeah uh, yeah yeah, it was key really to get the pitch uh, into a playable condition and, and uh, players' dressing rooms yeah. up to scratch. And then basically since then it's been a stage-by-stage -stage process and then obviously the, the major new development we've got at the uh, the mega store now where yeah. where supporters can come and buy their tickets and, and merchandise from yeah. the same building. Yeah. Well, it all does look fantastic. Thank you so much for talking to us. Um, I'm sure we all appreciate a much shinier, nicer and uh, drier Hillsborough. Thank you very much. With every heavy downpour that hits Sheffield, people start worrying about the possibility of having their lives turned upside down again, when some are only just returning to some type of normality. Edward Anna, Senior Lecturer in Climate Change, explores the possibility of it happening again. Um, well, based on the... Um rainfall records that we have going back to well 120 years or so over um well from sheffield western park and um, we have had several similar events within the past century although very few um in the first 80 or 90 years of record there, there was no comparable comparable event so it does seem that um there there has been a clustering of these events in the last 35 years with three of them including last june um, so there was last June, there was 1982, 1973. Um, so I, I would say that there, there is a reasonable probability of, of such an event occurring within the next few decades again, um, particularly all the more so since the summer temperatures are increasing. And um, it's well known that warmer air can hold more water vapour and that ultimately falls out as precipitation. So potentially there, there is an enhanced risk of getting uh, extreme precipitation events like last June within the next few decades due to global warming and climate change. Is it something that goes around in, um, in cycles or is it all our own fault through uh, what we've pumped into the atmosphere? I don't think anyone yet has the answer as to whether the extreme rainfall of last June can be assigned to natural climate cyclic activity or, or, or human greenhouse gas increases um, the jury is very much still out on that one and in fact because we we have yet to experience a lot of the global warming effects and these extreme events are quite rare it's too early to tell yet whether or not um, that can be assigned to to either human or natural probably a, a, a mixture of both effects but it's impossible to say yet if we are faced with another flood people will expect a swifter response and clean up from the council once again, we invite Paul Scriven to explain the council's position. Well, it's taken a number of steps. So, for example, people remember just a few weeks ago we had the downpour um, and we enacted something which we didn't have before and that was taking people who were cleaning the drains and gullies away from normal maintenance 
take them to the hot spots before the rain actually started, once we got the warning from uh, the Met Office, and actually made sure that they were uh, clear and that on the major hotspots where we know flooding is likely, that uh, they were clear, there was no blockages, and that went remarkably well. There was only small uh, localised flooding, there wasn't anything uh, bigger, which could have happened if theirs hadn't have been done. So these kind of Working differently now when we get a um, when we get a uh, announcement from the Met Office that things will happen. We've reviewed all our plans in terms of making sure that major issues uh, are dealt with. In terms of infrastructure, uh, for example, I've just written to the Environment Agency this week to ask them to reconsider them not investing up to £20 million uh, at Blackburn Brook and Porter Brook in terms of um, flood defences. Um, so it's putting pressure on people like the Environment Agency, it's re-looking at our plans and changing things, and it's also working and listening to local communities to see if there's anything that we've actually missed. So there are a number of drop-in centres for people who were affected by the floods this week. Uh, I'm going down to uh, one of those to listen to local residents and just make sure that their concerns have been picked up and we have changed things that we need to uh, need to learn so we've seen what went well we've seen what we didn't get quite right we've changed some of that and putting pressure on people like the environment agency to make sure that Sheffield gets its fair share of uh, flood defense uh, systems in the days and weeks that followed the residents and businesses of Sheffield rallied round to set up a fund to give financial aid to those affected by the flooding. Paul Scriven explains how you can access it. There is still money available for those people who are uh, having effects of the flooding um, and I would encourage them to do so. You know, The money was raised by the people of South Yorkshire for the people of South Yorkshire. It's really important that anybody who is uh, experiencing difficulty, they get in touch. The best way to do that is just email me, which is leader at sheffield.gov.uk and I will then pass on their details to the organisation that's dealing with this. It's simple as that. So it's leader at sheffield.gov.uk and I'll make sure that uh, their details are passed on. That was a documentary by Sheffield Live to mark the first anniversary of the floods that occurred on the 25th of June 2007 and the destruction left in their wake. Contributing to the production were Fabian Beckett, Joe Fowler, Alan Fransman, Kit Lawrenson, Graham Marshall, Anna Patnick, Kevin Resley and Dave Williams. Special thanks go to the residents of Chapeltown, Sheffield City Council, Sheffield University and Sheffield Wednesday Football Club. You have been listening to Mind Labs, Sheffield Live's open creative slot. Join us next time for something more which isn't the same. The same.